Hello everyone and welcome to Opportunities, EU Industry Days podcast, presenting trends and challenges, but also different opportunities that the industrial transformation brings for European companies. In this episode, we focus on upskilling and reskilling Europe's workforce to take full advantage of the green digital dividend during the COVID recovery phase. We're privileged to be speaking with Aria Kraukenberg, president of the Lifelong Learning Platform. Actually, the Lifelong Learning Platform is, as the name says, a platform for more than 40 networks on the education sector in Europe. Katarina Borstedt. North Vault's Director of Growth. My name is Katharina Burstadt uh, and I'm heading the growth department in, in, uh, in Northvolt. And growth for Northvolt, that is really about uh, finding the right people with the right skills at the right uh, period of time to be able to grow our industry. And Luc Triangle, General Secretary of Industrial Europe. We are the European Trade Union Federation organizing more than 7 million uh, workers in industrial sectors throughout Europe. Now, the full picture of Europe's economy post-COVID is still unfolding, but Europe's speedy recovery will no doubt hinge on the quality of its workforce. Some 120 million Europeans will have to upskill or reskill to meet the challenges of the so-called next-generation EU. As we'll learn in this episode, much is riding on the recent Pact for Skills to deliver green digital results and help Europe get ahead of the skills curve. Well, actually, the fact that the concept of lifelong learning is not yet so widely accepted, that we really still need to explain that it is not sufficient to learn and a trade or to acquire a set of skills um, in school um, and then to to go with that, but that you really need to constantly update your competences. So not only skills, but also knowledge and attitudes, and that this is a lifelong process. I think that's the most important point here. What do you think, Katerina? I would say that it's... uh for me, it's that we are finally starting to really prioritizing the, the lifelong learning. And that is something that is super important to meet new technical requirements and business changes. And we see, of course, when establishing a new industry on the market, new needs when it comes to competences and skills. And people need to, to continue to learn during their, their career. And uh, so that is what I put into this. Luke, do you want to come in there? Well, it's true. Uh, skills and upskilling will be a crucial element in the solutions that we need to deliver to cope with the transformations where our industries are already going through and will go through in the next uh, years and even 20, 30 years. Um, the point is that it's clear that our industry is going through transformation driven by climate action. The Green Deal is a good example of this. This will change our industries and change certain industries uh, really in the core of their um, of their reality. Uh, another driver of change will be digitalization and the further digitalization of our industries. Both are absolutely crucial uh, to keep uh, technological um, uh, advantage and also to keep leadership in a global market. But having said that, it's clear that uh, the people that need to deliver that are the workers and they need to have the right skills. They need to be retrained. They need to be upskilled to deal uh, with these new transformations. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, let's look more closely at the economy and perhaps employment trends. How would you describe Europe's labour market right now? Well, the labour market at the moment um, is in turmoil, actually. I mean, there's uh, unemployment rate is rising and it will continue to raise further as uh, the pandemic unfolds. Many people are still furloughed, um, but not sure whether they'll be able to recuperate their jobs. Um, Low-income jobs are especially hard uh, hit by the crisis. Uh, many companies are kept alive through government subsidies, but they will probably go bankrupt afterwards. Um, so we, we are having a kind of uh, zombie, uh, kind of zombies um, around there. So I think that uh, the labor market at the moment is, is really unstable. And that is very worrying for a lot of people. Do you agree, Katerina? I would say in transition, and if we're talking specifically about our uh, sector, we see definitely big growth. Uh, I mean, we see big changes in the industrial landscape right now, and uh, not at least within the automotive sector uh, that is starting the transition towards electrical vehicles. And if we are looking at the existing plans uh, and the, the development, this transition will happen very, very fast. And above that, we all already have the transition uh, around automation and industry 4.0. And from a competence perspective, that puts new demands on our workforce. And again, from the battery production industry, this is, is growth. Uh, we see a need for new type of competences that we have not seen before. What do you think, Luke? Well, I think that we have um, a strong educational system uh, in Europe because it starts there. Uh, the labor market um, uh, and what we deliver and what we uh, give as output um, to the labor market in Europe are, um, are skilled people. Um, and um, it's clear that we will need in the future more um, uh, youngsters, but also current workers. Uh, they need to obtain uh, what we call STEM um, uh, courses, STEM um, uh, certificates, so in science, in technology, in economy, mathematics. So that's what they need in the future. And that's what we will need more because um, this will be one of the key success factors for European industry. Um, we do have uh, a certain uh, mismatch as well. Eh? We have in certain regions still uh, high levels of unemployment, also youth unemployment. Um, and the challenge will be to skill these people, to train these people, and in combination with creating new jobs for those youngsters and for these uh, unemployed people at the moment in those regions. Thank you for that. Uh can you already predict the long-term impact of the pandemic, let's say beyond the coming half year to a year? Well, I don't have <laughs> the, the crystal ball where you can see things, of course. Um, so it's difficult to predict what, what will eventually happen, of course. Uh, I mean, as, as we have seen with the pandemic um, um, in, in spring last year, people were very optimistic that by the summer or by, by fall latest, um, things would be fine again. So this has not happened. Uh, new issues have come up with mutations and, and uh, problems with the vaccine and so on. So um, I think it's rather unpredictable what, what is going to happen. But on, on the long term, um, I think that... Um, we really need to understand that 
investment in people is the best investment that we can do. And that we start, actually, we should have started to do that um, a year ago when, when this whole story started. Yeah? Not sit around and say, well, it's going to pass, it's going to pass, but to start immediately uh, to see what can be done, what, what, can, we, what can we offer to people um, for their personal development uh, in the first place, and then also uh, in terms of what, do, what skills do they need for the labour market. Do you want to come in there, Katerina? I think uh, COVID, both it will, I think, speed up the transition in the industry. Um, so I think the need for, for upskilling and reskilling will happen faster now than what it would have been, uh, what would have happened otherwise. And since also the, the location of the new industries differs, I think the digitalization area and, and, and have a, a online trainings and so on, that is really a good step for people to be able to do the upskilling and so on, and then maybe relocate if needed. But educations do not need to be that locally uh, anchored. It, it, it can be, it, the development of the educations can also then go a bit faster. Luke, how do you see the situation developing this year? Well, we are now in a, in a, in a, in a, in a year where uh, the next generation EU will become a reality. Um, and the next generation EU um, is um, yeah, allocating um, a lot of um, billions of euro now to member states to uh, create the recovery, uh, the needed recovery. Uh, and it's clear that in the ambitions of the uh, recovery plan and in the ambitions of next generation EU, um, uh, there is a clear choice to uh, advantage those investments that are linked to, on one hand, the climate action and the Green Deal, and on the other hand, also further digitalization. So these transformations that were already going on are only going to be speed up now in the next years uh, due to the next generation EU priorities. So the point will be that the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, the education agenda, the skills agenda will also have to speed up. If not, we are going to need more people with high skills faster and we don't have them. So to be honest, we believe that there is absolutely no time to lose anymore to uh, speed up also the skills agenda and the skills investments uh, within Europe. That means um, we need to uh, map exactly now uh, in sectors, but also in regions, what skills do we need in the future? And we don't have to hesitate anymore. We have not to wait anymore to um, change also um, training curricula uh, in, uh, in, uh, in countries and in regions and adapt them and indeed also deliver on them. Because the time to, to do too much or to have debates in Brussels or in, in, um, in administration on what we need uh, is over. We know what we need and now it's time to put it into, um, into motion and to deliver those courses that are needed for the workers of the uh, in the future. Let's now look at the opportunities for European companies that you see coming out of the Pact for Skills and new priorities of Horizon Europe, as well as the expanded remit of Erasmus Plus and other EU-based programs. 
Well, I think the Pact for Skills uh, will be a great opportunity to bring stakeholders together. And it's always a good idea because um, exchange is necessary to come up with uh, tailored solutions. The idea of bringing all stakeholders to the table and to negotiate on what is needed and how this can best be organized, I think that's absolutely necessary. Um, The projects... um, are great. I mean, all, whether it's Erasmus+, Plus, Erasmus 2020, and so on. Um, but we really have to be um, careful about their sustainability. Yeah? Uh, very often, the administrative burden uh, is very, very big and can only be taken on by big organizations. That holds the dangers that the small ones are somewhere left behind. So we really have to um, make sure that this um, is available and accessible um, and also feasible for everyone. Is there anything else you want to say about that, Katerina? I think that all different kind of initiatives to to really lift the the competence level or, or to to reskill or upskill competence <clears throat> on a European basis is very very important with all the changes that we see, and different initiatives that that uh, support uh, relocation or uh, movement on the European market that is important going forward because if we look at again the industry that we are building only focusing on the on the workforce in sweden that will probably not be enough so we need to to be able to strengthen europe from this perspective we need to lift the competence uh, all over the place and and then offer uh, a movement uh, so that we can take advantage of of the the skills that are there Um, So these kind of initiatives are very important from that perspective. How can we build stronger links between higher education, vocational training and industry to give people more opportunities, especially in light of Europe's wider goals like the twin transition and how it plays into local ecosystems? Well, I would start at a lower level. I think when we come to higher education, we are already um, at a level where people have taken their decisions. Um, We need to start in school and we need to start by work-based learning in schools. And there we have to create cooperation between the economy um, and the education sector. I think that's fundamental. And I think um, that we have good examples. We, We We have a lot of uh, countries that are already doing that. um, And I think more countries um, need to invest in there because it's only when you have um, 10, 12, 13, 15 year olds uh, that know actually what the possibilities are out there, that they can make a decision and that they can um, start going into a certain direction. By the age of 18, 19, if they come out of school and they have no idea what they would like to do when they start to find their way, that's very late. That's really very late. And I think um, the the companies, uh, the industry needs to understand that it's worthwhile investing that time and energy uh, to offer internship, meaningful internship. Um, The European Commission has this wonderful um, alliance for apprenticeship. Uh, There is an apprenticeship network. Um, They can offer a lot of good examples of how this can work. So I really think that this is uh, a way to go forward. Who else wants to come in on that? 
I think you need to work really, really close when developing the, the educational programs. I also think that uh, from my point of view and looking at the skills requirements that we see, to try to remove the glass ceiling that we often see between uh, vocational training and, and higher educations, <clears throat> so that you can continue and build on your or on your skills and knowledge uh, throughout your life and also add on different elements that misses uh, as things develop. Um, I think that is super important. I think also, to some extent, often when we talk about collaboration between uh, educational institutes and uh, companies, we often end up in a discussion around internships, uh, especially when we, we look at the vocational part of, of education. Uh, and that is when growing a new industry, as we are doing, and recruiting so many people during a short period of time, that is a huge challenge because we don't have a, a mature industry to put them in and, and uh, watch them grow uh, while in, still in, in study. Well, we believe that um, it's clear that all parties and all partners need to be put around the table. Uh, that's why we advocate very strongly for um, a good connection between, on one hand, um, schoolings, uh, schools, uh, schools uh, educational systems, uh, local governments, employers, but also trade unions, because at the end of the day, our members are um, present in those companies day after day, and they also have built up a lot of knowledge of what is needed in the future. So these local and regional um, um, partnerships uh, are going to be crucial uh, between uh, to, to to deliver in reality on uh, on the skills that we need for the future. Uh, without um, those partnerships, it becomes uh, only or it could become only uh, an issue for the government or for employers. And then it's not going to work because we really have to bring together all the different actors in this field. Is there one specific piece of advice you'd offer industry regarding labour market developments and needs or perhaps even a, a take home message? Well, uh, the other day I um, heard somebody say, actually, when we talk about the Green Deal, if we look at the products that we use today, uh, many of these products are not sustainable. Um, we actually have a great need to reinvent lots of things that we are using on a daily basis. And uh, I think there are lots of opportunities out there and we need to bring the people with us. And there are lots of great ideas starting in schools. If you look at um, vocational education and training um, colleges, uh, schools, um, young people, if you give them um, a project, if you say, well, here is a problem, can you come up with a solution? They come up with great things. So um, having confidence in, in youth and giving them the opportunity to develop that, I think that would be one of the pieces of advice. And the other one would definitely be um, cooperation. And another one, of course, is bring back uh, the strategic uh, industry back to Europe. Um, I think we have seen now with the, the problems of uh, the vaccines and the medication, um, we cannot have everything produced outside of the EU. We need to bring these things back and that will also create new jobs. Do you want to come in there, Katerina? I think it's super important that we 
that we are really looking at this life, lifelong learning and also take uh, advantage of, of the skills that people already bring to the table. So, so to, to really uh, develop systems now that are adaptable uh, towards what you come, what you bring in uh, and that, uh, that is uh, um, the systems need to be um, flexible uh, both when it comes to the length of the trainings uh, what you need to learn and, and uh, um, how fast you do it more or less so flexibility I guess and that is uh, something that is that I would like to see even more of going forward Luke well, when it's specifically about skills, um, we believe there is no time to lose anymore. Um, we know today what skills we need in five years and in 10 years. So let's not wait five years to do what we know already today that needs to be done. That's one thing. Anticipation and um, acting already now for the skills we need in the future. Secondly, um, we need to adapt training curricula uh, as soon as possible um, and make sure that uh, the current curricula are adapted to the technology and the requirements of tomorrow. Uh, we need more investments in skills and in education. And there, it's not only an issue about public money, but we believe that also companies need to invest more into um, education and into skilling and upskilling of their workers. Uh, fourth point is that um, we need to make sure that um, training and continuous training is guaranteed for all workers. That means not only for the newcomers in the labor markets, but also for the current workers. We can't mess around with workers which are today 40, 45 years old. We will still need them 20, 25 years. So we also need to train them to be ready for the jobs of tomorrow. And we need to make sure that all the levels in a company are trained. Sometimes we still see that those that are already highly skilled are getting um, the most of the continuous training or further education. And the low skilled workers, the blue collar workers, which are sometimes even unskilled, they don't get anything. We think we need to train everyone. We can't mess around with our human capital in the future. We need to workers today for the jobs of tomorrow. Um, so these are a number of uh, important takeaways when it's specifically about skills. But again, uh, last point, uh, it's not only about skills. We also have to look into um, the jobs of the future, where they will be um, realized, where they will be implemented, where they will be developed. Because without uh, real investments in those weaker regions, we will maybe have skilled people in those regions, but no jobs. And then people will anyway move away from their region and find a job and a future elsewhere. So it's not only about skills, there's no time to lose. Lifelong learning is just as important and no messing around. Thank you for your insights and contributions to this important subject, which will no doubt give our listeners serious food for thought. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Opportunities Podcast. Be sure to check out more in the series and feel free to like, share and share how much you care about each topic. This podcast series is an initiative of the European Commission and is part of the EU Industry Days 2021, Europe's flagship annual event on industry, taking place from the 23rd to the 26th of February 2021. For more information on the EU Industry Days 2021, visit the website euindustrydays.eu. This podcast was produced by VO with the financial support of the European Union. Its contents do not necessarily reflect the views of the EU.